Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Uh, this year we started, I, uh, we felt that the Word of God to us as a church, personally as a church, was enlarged. You see it all around about you. It's up on the screens. It's out the front of the building. It comes from out of Isaiah chapter 54, first three verses. And this month of November, we wanted to revisit that because we don't want to simply go, well, that was back then and now we've moved on. I don't know about you, but I get challenged personally when I read the Bible. I get challenged in my life to continue to grow because I'm not sure that you ever get to the point where you can say, don't need to grow anymore. I've already arrived. I've got it all. I haven't found that yet. Maybe you have, but I sure haven't. And uh, so for me, this is a very personal message and a very personal thing. I'm saying, God, how do I get larger in my life? Uh, Not larger physically, I'm doing fine with that, but how do I get larger in my life? And this passage, I think, I think about it, I reckon, every single week, this woman's uh, life and what the Word of God says about it. Let's read it. So Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren. It's a woman who's wanted to have children, hasn't been able to. Sing, O barren, you who haven't born. Break forth into singing, cry aloud, for you have not laboured with child, but more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will expand to the right and to the left. I love this next part. It says, and your descendants will inherit the nations. He's not simply promising her children. He's promising her a legacy of greatness. Uh, My wife and I this week will be in Queensland at the wedding of our youngest child. And by the grace of God and by His mercy and, and not our skill, we have seen our family, each one of our children make amazing choices for life partners, for their spouses. We were just with our son and daughter-in-law in in Melbourne. Uh, Our daughter-in-law's parents are in this church. And what a great, great job. You have raised such a beautiful daughter, uh, really, and a beautiful human. Uh, I see the way that they love people and the way they care and think what a joy that is. And so this promise is not simply what you're going to have kids and fill some lonely void in your life. Something you've always wanted is to be there. I wonder how many people there are who simply are wanting to fill a space of loneliness when it comes to finding a life partner or the job. They just simply want more money. When the whole way along, God is after something a lot more than just me getting a quote unquote better life. He's wanting me to leave a legacy in my life that will impact people long after I've gone. So he says to this woman, your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Again, he's saying you're going to go into places that have known only pain, only loss, only brokenness, and you're going to go into those. Can you believe that for your life? That your life is meant to be more than simply I go to church, I love God, I give, I serve, whatever. But God wants your life to be a part of changing the way other people do their life. 
we're celebrating our, you know, scores of our people that are serving in red frogs. And I thank God for those people that are doing that and are saying, oh, you know, I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know who's going to be impacted by it. But I know that people will. I was reminded this week of the story of one family in our church. This lady's in our creative arts team who went out to dinner with her husband, was not, uh, they went to the restaurant fully booked out, but they saw a lady sitting by herself. What they didn't know was that she'd gone there because she said, I really don't want to stay home alone. Uh, there'd been a whole lot of stuff that was going wrong. Her grandson had been diagnosed with a major medical issue. She didn't have the money to be able to go over and be there for him. And so this lady had taken the little bit she had and said, I'm not going to stay home tonight. I'm going to go out. And so she'd gone and sat by herself. She didn't have any friends to phone up, nobody that she knew close enough to be able to come with her. And she goes and sits in this restaurant. The lady from our church goes there when they said them, sorry, the restaurant's full. She said, would it be okay if we sat with somebody else? They said, ask. She goes up to this lady and says to her, you know, we've come late, we know, but would you mind if we sat with you? This lady says, thank you, I'd love that. She sits with them and they start asking her the story. Well, this lady in our church, her husband gets up during the meal, goes out to the ATM, draws out a large sum of money, sits there and says to the lady, please go and visit your grandson. At the end of the night, this lady in our creative arts team says to the lady, by the way, I'm a part of Metro Church. You're always welcome out of church. You don't know people Why, if you'd like to come. So she didn't honestly think that that invite would, she just met this person. For all she knew, she was going to take the money and they'd never hear from her again. This lady goes off to visit her grandson and then one day turns up to church. Now, I didn't know any of this story. My wife and I are walking out of church after Sunday morning service. There's a lady standing, walking past the building. She was standing at the traffic lights and she's crying. I turned to her, I don't know. I didn't know she'd even been in church. I said, are you okay? Well, the story goes on. She just was so impacted in the service that she just is weeping out of reconnecting with God. Well, this lady ends up, you know, making a commitment to follow Christ. A new lady moves in across the unit, across from her. And so uh, as the story goes, and I'm making it as short as I can, but she says to this lady, you know, a single mum, would you like to come to church? The lady goes, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with preachers and I want nothing to do with men. Anyway, she says to her, look, why don't you come to church? If you don't like it, I'll never pester you again. But maybe this, you know, I don't know where this lady just, this is the lady who got the money at the restaurant table now goes to someone else. This lady comes to church. I find all this afterwards. She stands out there in the foyer comes in as the worship has begun. But the presence of God, like Pastor Bruce was talking about, rolls out the door, touches her where she is. She said to me later, it was like a gigantic hard rock inside of me melted as I stood out there. This lady gives her life to Christ. I've had the privilege, Ron and I have gone to their home. Now she's married and got two beautiful children and heard the entire story, which I tell her one day they will make a movie out of your life because it's that 
bizarre a background. But you see, somebody just kept the whole chain, if you like, going. Kept reaching out to somebody. Kept going on. And I think about what it means to live a bigger life and how I can go about being a part of that for myself because I think the saddest thing, I remember reading about Alexander the Great, the famous warrior who wept when he had conquered what he thought was the entire world. And he wept, it says, because there was no more lands to conquer. Little did he know that the world was a lot bigger place than the one he imagined. And there was actually many nations he'd never heard of and never seen. Uh, I think it's a sad thing when you're, you, you say about your life, this is it, I'm as big as it gets. I, I, I'm as large. I, you know, I don't think it's an age thing. I was thinking the other day about, uh, and just looking at it, I woke up in the middle of the night and put this on my phone a little while ago. You know, uh, enough is not a fixed amount. Enough is determined by my vision and expectations of my future. Abraham, already a wealthy man, because he was very wealthy. So it wasn't like he came to God because he was broke, but maybe you are. I don't care why you come to God, just come for any reason. But he's told in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And immediately his enough was drastically changed. I Googled what the United Nations says is the poverty level around the world. I think it's $1.69 a day, something like that, U.S., that they say is enough. If you get that, that's enough. But can I say to you, enough is not $1.69. Enough is not $2 or $10 or $20. You tell me what your vision is and I'll tell you what enough is. You tell me what the dream is inside of your heart. I'll tell you what enough's going to be. When I came to Christ, my enough drastically changed. Because all of a sudden I realised that God wanted to use my life to do some extraordinary things and my enough confidence, like hello, all of a sudden my confidence that I had was not enough for the job that lay at hand. My skill set was not enough for what God wanted me to do. And so I believe that for all of us, uh, this whole deal of how do I get larger? In, on the inside, how do I become a bigger person? Because the first thing this woman is told to do has got nothing to do with the outside of her world. She's not told first to go and build an extra room or buy stuff for the baby, all the outer external things, but she's told first of all to sing. First word, sing, O Baron, sing, sing. She's told to sing, which is an internal uh, heart shift inside of her, a response even though outwardly nothing has changed yet. He doesn't say when you're pregnant, sing. He says, sing now before you see any evidence. Most of us here would know Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you don't know it, here it comes. Be up on the screen for you. It says, God will keep your heart with all diligence because out of it spring the issues of life. The reality is that the most important part of your world and mine is your inner life. Now listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not preaching at you tonight at all, but I'm I, I genuinely feel challenged myself and have done for most of this year with enlarge to go, God, this is you you didn't say enlarge so we'd have a preaching theme. You said enlarge because you want to make every person in this church a larger human, a larger life than the one we have. 
your outer world will always rise or fall to the level of your inner world. Your outer world will always, put it up on the screen for him, please. Your outer world will always rise or fall, rise or fall. The thing that governs your life is your inner world. And listen, hello, lots of you here, you're in businesses and places of work or study or whatever. We've all known someone who got that dream job, that dream promotion, got into the course of their choice, but their inner world, maybe it was their ability to cope with pressure. That's an inner thing. Maybe it was their, the way they treated other people. That's an inner thing. Maybe it was just simply, you know, how to be a leader and yet they weren't able to, their inner world couldn't keep them in the place they wanted to be. And so they end up shrinking back out of it. And so we know that that's so, you would know someone like that, I do. I know people that have been promoted and then their inner world couldn't keep them in that space. And so then they go back and say, please, I'm gonna go back to my old spot. I'm not saying that's particularly wrong, except that, you know, they had a dream in the first place, but they hadn't developed their inner world enough to keep them there, you know? Um, I really think your inner world makes all the difference to what's going on in your outer world. In Matthew 14, verse 29, and again, I'm coming to the meat of this, but hang in with me a minute. Matthew 14, verse 29 uh, Jesus is walking on the water, comes to the disciples. They all cry out for fear. They think it's a ghost. Peter, the big mouth, speaks up and says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. We pick it up, verse 29. So he said, come. And when it, Peter had come down out of the boat, watch this. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. It's a miracle. It's outstanding. His outer world is conquered by His inner world. His outer world, the waves, the laws of physics that say water is not solid enough to hold up the mass of a human body. If you don't believe me, go home, jump in a pool, go down to the beach today and just say, I'm going to walk to Rotto. And uh, you know, when you get out past the, the marker boys and have to wave your hand around for help, remember I told you so. Uh, the laws of physics. So the outer world is so, it's almost as though whatever's out there is irrelevant. If you've got abundance in your heart, lack out there is irrelevant. If you've got opposition out there, but you've got faith in your heart, opposition is irrelevant. If you have got outside of you some kind of, you know, thing that frightens you or you feel insecure about, but inside you've got confidence, whatever's out there is irrelevant. That's why David can stand before Goliath and say, you know what, I am going to feed you to the birds of the air. You know why? Because what was out there was smaller than what was in here. I want you to think about this with me because I don't believe in preaching for oratory's sake. I don't believe in we should all get up and whoever's got the, you know, the smoothest delivery. It's not about that. It's about helping you and me grow. All right. That's what tonight's about. And so this guy's outer world 
is, is overcome by his inner world. He believes and so he can do it. He believes and so he can do it. He believes and so he can do it. And out he steps into this place. But then verse 30 goes on and says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous. You got to pause there a minute and realise that he knew the wind was boisterous before because he told Jesus it was. It's not like all of a sudden the wind sprang up. It was already up. The difference was that his inner world, his inner life allowed what was happening out there to become the dominant voice to him and he was afraid. His fear is not an outer thing. It's an inner thing, isn't it? Huh? Come on, this is not rocket science here. You know, this, you know, it's fear is an internal thing. What happens when his internal world gets smaller? Well, it tells you. As his internal world gets smaller through fear, that's what people do when they're afraid. They shrink. And as his internal world gets smaller, it says, and beginning to sink. He doesn't just sink, he begins to sink. How do you begin to sink? Well, first of all, it's over above your toes, then it's above your ankle, then it's up to your shins, then it's up to your knees. He begins to sink. And the more his inner world gets overcome, the more he goes down. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, watch it. Jesus does not address the outer world, he addresses the inner world. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, take heart here, because I'm going to stick my hand up and say, I've doubted, I've been afraid, I've been intimidated, I've been, you name a negative thing, I've probably experienced it. And so this is not about going, oh, bad, bad, naughty, bad. This is about saying, but I want to get larger so that my internal world, like David's, deals with the stuff that's out there in my life, the things you're afraid of the things that you are, are your limits and your impossibilities and I'll probably never be able to and I'd like to, but I can't and all the rest of that stuff. What if your inner world could get so large and get so expanded that whatever's out there, you would say that's irrelevant? Huh? Think about it. Yeah, but the economy, well... What if what's inside of you makes that irrelevant? So, how do I begin to build a bigger me? Let me start with the most difficult. There's only five of these. So, uh, let me start with the most difficult one of the lot. It's the hardest one, I think. If I want to build a bigger me, number one, I've got to change my attitude to adversity. Anybody here, you've never had any, never lost a job, never been rejected by someone you liked, never had a problem, never had a doctor say sorry, uh, we don't know how to fix that, never, is anybody like that? Is anyone here, you've never had a problem because I really want to meet you. I will pray for you because you are so badly deceived or your memory is so poor that we need to help you. Uh, change your attitude, we've all had it, haven't we? Listen to Psalm 4 verse 1. To the chief musician on Neganoth. I don't even know what that is. A psalm of David, know what that is. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. 
I read this here and I understand that the psalmist never thought about adversity the way most people do. Because listen, adversity alone does not enlarge people. I know some people that are crushed by it. I know some people that are bitter and broken up on the inside and confused out of it. So it's not adversity. It's, and it's, so that's why when people say, God's sending it to you to test you, that's nonsense. Because I've seen too many people that were busted by it. God obviously is not the author of that. But adversity will come because we live in a sin-soaked world and a dysfunctional one, a broken world. So adversity is going to come just because you're breathing. That's why it'll come. So how do I, what do I mean by change my attitude to adversity? There's three parts to this. Number one, the first thing is this, that my adversity is temporary. It's not permanent. You've got to know that it will pass. When you're in it, you feel like this is forever. You know, when that fear grips you, you feel like I'm never going to get free of it. And some of you here have battled with things for years and years and years, but maybe you've tried to fight it rather than going, actually, what I need to do is build a bigger me. It's temporary, it's not permanent. Second change of attitude to adversity is this, God is with me. So important. Because so many people, when they encounter adversity, their response is, God, where are you? Huh? Where are you, God? How come? Why? You know, why have you abandoned me? Huh? I met people that left church because they encountered great adversity. They didn't realise, really, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Ironclad promise. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So whatever adversity, now listen, I'm like you. I get into adversity or difficult spots and go, oh, what the? But hello, I've got to shift my attitude to adversity and go, God, you're with me. Here's the third shift, is that good will come out of this for me. It has to. Because Romans 8 verse 28 says, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So that means it's going to pass. It means God's with me. And it means that good is going to come out of this for me. So if I want to get a larger me, when I get into a place of adversity, and I, I told you it's the hardest one first, because I'm sure not one of those preachers gets up and says, simple, I mastered that man. I killed that. I got it. Woo! Rock on. You should all be like me. No, I'm up here saying to you, there are some parts of this where I'm still going, get bigger, boy, get larger. Come on, don't let it be like that. Think differently about this. Hello? Or maybe I'm the only one. Maybe the rest of you got this one nailed. You already are overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got it. Woo. Doesn't matter. Woo. It's like water off a duck's back. I'm there. Well, good for you. <laughs> Just keep praying for me that I'll keep growing and getting larger. You know, because growth takes time, doesn't it? Come on now. Growth takes time. I'm about halfway. Lord knows how good I'm going to be by the time I hit 100. Oh, I'm going to be, it'll be amazing. Here's the second thing. Allow the Word of God to expand you. I read the Bible through every, well, every year, the entire Bible just a thing I started doing about eight or nine years ago. 
I love it. But can I tell you, it's so easy to read the Bible through like that and just go, here we go. Yeah, this is this, this, this. Rather than every time I find myself, I have to deliberately sit there like I did this morning and go, God, the goal is not to read through the Bible. The goal is not to have your devotional tick. You know, I'm, you know what I mean by that? I'm a good Christian. Look, pray every day. Amen. Woo-hoo. The goal is for God to speak to you. Amen. And most of God speaking to you is reasonably uncomfortable. I was thinking about this today. When Jesus calls the disciples, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Out they step out of their zones of comfort, out of the things they know and they begin following Jesus. And then after that, absolutely everything He tells them is ridiculous. See, our problem is we read the Bible and we read it like it's Sunday school, fairy tale, sort of romance novel. That's the way we read it. But I want you to imagine you're one of the disciples and you've been walking with Jesus and He's taught you the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And we're going, oh, wow, blessed are the poor. It's been, oh, yes, amen. And there's a whole lot of amen goes on for that lot because it's all, they don't have to do anything. But then they come down from the mountain. He says, now I'm sending you out to heal the sick. And Peter the fisherman goes, well, I'm really good at gutting fish. (laughs) Heal the sick. Don't you reckon the first time Peter ever went to a sick person, I'm here for Jesus. I reckon he had his eyes screwed so shut, daylight could not get in. And he's there and, and he's praying, you know, in Jesus' name. But on the inside, he's going, oh God, please, 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 please. <laughs> Haven't you ever done this? Come on, you have so. Don't look at me like that. You have so, haven't you? We've gone and gone, God, I believe. Oh God, I hope I believe. Oh God. (laughs) I think I believe. Lord, I'm trying to believe. That's why I understand the guy in Mark 10, you know, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I go, I've been there. Huh? And so, you know, they hear Jesus say, go out and heal the sick. And they're going, all right. What about when he says, go into all the world and they've never been more than 45 kilometres from the place they were born? He says, go into all the world. What about when he says, go out and don't take purse with you. Don't take your wallet, leave it at home. Anybody like me, you always like to have a little bit of cash on you. You know what I mean? It's like I used to keep 20 bucks or something in my diary cover back in the day, just in case. I was with someone the other day on the back of his phone. It was a $50 bill stuck in the back there. I asked, can I borrow his phone? (laughs) I didn't really, but I thought, see, there's somebody who doesn't want to get caught. There's someone who's going like, hello, I don't want to be out there where maybe I'll get stuck. And you think about the disciples and they hear Jesus say, I want you to go out and go to all the towns and preach and don't take your wallet. No booking.com, no Travago. No, and your reservation number is? No Airbnb? Huh? Think about it. These guys, how did they grow so fast in three and a half years that Jesus could train them and walk away? I'll tell you how. It's because 
they kept allowing the Word of God to expand them. Someone says there's 33,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know if it's true. I just know there's a lot. For me, I remember the very first verse that I could ever say God spoke to me after I became a Christian was Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be set on high. Because I was so self-conscious, so intimidated, so bothered by other people's opinions. And that verse expanded my life. I can tell you where I was when the verse out of 1 Peter uh, 4 and verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God because I was scared, spitless about speaking in public. I can tell you where I was when 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, but you have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One and it abides on you. Verse 27 says, you know, you know all things. It said, I remember those verses because they expanded my life and changed me. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know, I look back over my, my history in God is a history of the Word of God expanding my life. And I realise, listen to me, I realise we've got all this. And many of us don't read the Bible anymore. We just look up a verse. You know what I mean? Wikipedia tells you everything. But I wonder sometimes if we aren't missing out because the word you never read will do nothing for you or to you. Don't let Facebook or Twitter be the biggest voice in your life. I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I haven't looked at it for weeks, but still, I'm on there and Instagram. I'm not against it, but don't let it be the biggest voice in your life. Come on, read the Word of God. Last week in Perth, I saw on television, announced that there was over $1 billion in unclaimed super in Australia, superannuation, $1 billion. It was on the news. I think of how many people needed it and wanted it, but it never helped them because they didn't know it was theirs. I was one of them once, years ago. Got a, a message, a letter from some company saying I had a humongous amount of super that apparently when we'd rolled over in, in INC, the, changed the providers and there was a whole, there was thousands of dollars in, in superannuation, that was mine. And I had no idea. So they asked me to fill in a form, pay them a fee, which I did, and they transferred it into my account. Think about it a minute. See, listen, there's all this stuff in here. But if you never, come on, are you with me here? I know it's a little bit old fashioned and I know that we're all 21st century hip, you know, social media expert people. But can I just encourage you, go back. You know, I don't care if you read it in paper or on a Kindle. I don't care if you, just as long as you read it. I, I personally, I read the Bible every morning on my phone. I, I'm not against phones. Amen. <laughs> I'm just against all the other stuff. I, I've got a rule. I don't care who you are, but while I'm reading the Bible, too bad. Because huh? I'm not going to... So-and-so just tweeted, well, so what? It'll still be there when I'm finished. And I just go, because oh, yeah. if I don't do that, the Word of God doesn't speak to me. It starts to whisper and then I start going, somebody on Instagram, somebody on Twitter, somebody on Words with Friends. 
Are you with me still? You still love me even though I just bashed your, your little addiction? Here's number three. Oh, heck. Change the words you speak. One of the biggest themes in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, is the power of our words. It's almost every single chapter has got at least one or often several verses about the power of what you say. Now, I don't run around cursing. I don't use swear words. Just don't use them. Never did. Got saved. Got cleaned up. Don't do it. However, I don't think it's just about going, I'm not going to say the rubbish stuff. Let me ask a question. Are you saying the kind of stuff that builds a bigger future for you? The power of your words is so extraordinary that little old you can defeat the devil. Revelation 12 verse 10 says, They overcame the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives under the death. Some of you here, and I know there are people like this because the Holy Spirit spoke to me before the service that there were people here and your life is getting pushed down and, and squashed and you feel like, you know, it's just the energy has just been sucked out of you. But I'm telling you tonight that we'll pray for you and, and God will help you. But part of the answer is you've got to get up and get bold again. You've got to get up again and start to declare things about you that are ridiculous and that belong. Listen, start declaring the things about you that belong to a bigger life. Amen. Start declaring the things about you that only God can accomplish. I so love that new song tonight. I, I can't even remember all the words, but, you know, about, you know, you've cleaned me and, and in you all my life is restored or something. I thought, what a powerful declaration. But please don't let it just be about getting to normal. Make sure your life is about declaring things that are beyond just, I'm okay now, I've made it, I'm no longer a screaming, blubbering mess. What if God wants to take you further than that? You know, Abram, get out of the land of your father's house into the land that I'm going to show you and I'm going to make your name great. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The guy goes out there not because he's looking for a child. That comes later. He goes out there because God says, I've got a humongous life for you. It's not here. It's somewhere else. Would you follow me? I'm going to show you this amazing life you're going to have. I'm going to make your name great. And Abram goes because he wants the bigger life. Are you with me? And listen, you're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too anything. Step out of where you are. Change the words that you speak. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. That's pretty plain. Here's number four. Fourth thing, if you want to have a bigger life, is the people you hang out with. Psalm 1, the whole of Psalm 1 is about, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, sits in the seat of the scornful. Walks, you know, walks in the path of sinners. It's saying, be careful who you let be the influencer in your life. First nine chapters of Proverbs. First nine chapters of Proverbs. One third of the entire book, 31 chapters, almost one third of the entire book. First nine chapters are all about who you hang out with. Now that doesn't mean ditch your friends. Get rid of the people that you know. Cut them off. It doesn't mean that. What it means is start looking for the people that can grow your life. I'm always worried if I'm always the smartest person in every conversation I have. 
because it's a sign my conversations need to shift. Huh? Hello? Come on. Particularly if you've been a Christian leader for a long time. After a while, you can feel like you're the one everyone comes to for answers. And what that usually means is you're not asking enough questions. Hey, if you know how the world ought to be run, you need to enlarge your circle. Just saying. Here's the last one, fifth one. If you want to build a bigger life, you've got to pray. But you knew there was a but coming, didn't you? Of course you did. Pray. Yeah, just go home and pray. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us. That's a prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a prayer. But that's not the kind I'm talking about. If we data, listen to me. If we data dived into your prayer life, by that I mean we recorded all your prayers for the next 30 days. Huh? God, I just need a parking space. I'll serve you forever if you give me one. God, I've got a pain. Oh, God, please don't let me die of it. They're good prayers. I pray for parking spaces. But if we data dived into your prayer life or mine, what would be the greatest content markers? Things? Stuff? Would that be it? Or would we discover prayers for change and for growth. Because see, it's not just prayer. Some people have devotional prayer life, they're just beautiful and it's lovely and it's sweet and God bless them all. But they probably just don't grow. You don't grow just because you have a prayer ritual. I have a prayer shawl and I have a prayer chair and I have a prayer room and I have a prayer time and I have a prayer thing. And I get in there and I pray and it's woo. And then I get up and I go, wow, am I righteous or what? Look what I just did for God. I spent time with God. He must be so happy with my company. It's amazing. What, what are the prayers you pray that will make a bigger you? I would say to you, it's the prayers where you ask more for help to change and less for things. Put it up, please. Ask more for help to change and less for things in your life. I mean, you shouldn't have the things. I hope you get them. But don't make that the problem. When was the last time you, do you, do you pray and say, oh God, change me? Not because you just, someone just criticised you or because you just stumbled badly and you feel rotten at being such a terrible sinner. I don't mean that, but I mean, you as a healthy individual saying, God, would you make a bigger me? Would you help me? God, will you enlarge me? That kind of prayer builds a bigger you. Amen. Peter's up on the rooftop in prayer when the Gentiles end up getting brought into this thing called the church. John's on the Isle of Patmos where the entire book of Revelation is downloaded to him. But it started because they were both in the place of prayer and they weren't asking for stuff. They were asking God to show them something of what their life was meant to be. Amen. Come, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one of us. Think of this magnificent heartstrings night, the relaxing 
atmosphere of your presence and your grace. Thank you for communion and what that says to us that you have done it all. We can't add to it. We can't make it bigger or better. You've completed it. But Lord, I pray for people here, just wherever you are right now, I'm just reminded of that word of knowledge that I had about people here that feel like there's just a pressure and a weight and you're noticing it because you just feel like the energy's just been sucked out of your life. You feel like every day is becoming a grind rather than a, a, a go and, and enjoy. It's just a weight to bear. I want to pray for you tonight just right where you are and just believe God for you. Believe that the Holy Spirit, because you are better than that and bigger than that and God's got something greater than that for you and I want you to take the, this message and begin to put it into practice. Begin to say, God, I'm going to change what I say about me. I'm more than able. God has called me. I'm someone special in the eyes of God. I'm the apple of His eye, it says in Scripture. Whatever it is that most you need to declare so that you can overcome the devil by the wicked one, the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. And if that's you tonight, let me pray with you right where you are. You know, I'm not I'm here to embarrass people. I'm here to help them. But if that's you, you can just simply slip your hand up. Thank you. Back there. Yep, I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Back there. Anybody else? Just wherever you are. I'm just going to pray with you right where you're set. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thank you over there. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yep. I see you up the back there. Anybody else? Just say, that that's me. We just want God's help in this. Going to build a bigger me. I'm not praying that the pressure, thank you, thank you. I'm not praying the pressure disappears. I'm praying God grows you larger than what's facing you. Father, we thank you for each one of these people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in the business of growing us larger than our adversities and our opponents. You're in the business of helping us become bigger regardless of what we face. Help these people, Lord, you love them. Help them. In Jesus' Name, help them, Jesus. Can we just pray for those people? Wherever maybe you're sitting beside them, whatever you don't know, but just pray, God, would you help those people around about me? Would you help those people around about me in the Name of Jesus? God, would you enlarge my world? I'm asking you, Lord, for help to grow a bigger me. In Jesus' Name. Thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' Name. God, I pray if there's a physical cause of it, that You'll heal the cause of it. Lord, if there's something in the glands or the lymphatic systems, whatever, that needs to shift in their bodies, Lord, I pray You'll heal them in Jesus' Name. If it's something, Lord, out of a, out of a situation that's occurred in the last while, God, would You just touch their mind and give them a deep-seated peace right now, right now, right now, right now. I've seen God do this so many times right now. Somebody here in this place is like a, a piece of God and you're going to get up tomorrow morning and just think, well, it's a different world because the Holy Spirit is just bringing peace to you. It's a supernatural thing. The peace of God is not the absence of conflict. It's peace in the middle of it. Won't change what happened, but peace comes. Peace comes. I speak peace to your life and mind in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Service will be over in a little while, but can we stand and sing together that new song for a minute? Just engage with God for a moment. Just engage with God. <laughs>